This is Crow Inquisitors, and you're about to hear some original fiction inspired by the game. Cantarius Tasky ran his fingers down the smooth wood of the staff, wondering for the thousandth time why there were no blemishes. Knowing what this was, where it had come from, and what it meant, he knew that there should be flaws. Nothing as evil as this staff could be so spotless. It wasn't right, and Cantarius hated when something wasn't right. He closed his eyes, though his view didn't exactly change. Being blind may have shifted the way he interacted with the world, but there were some things that were so ingrained into a person that even blindness didn't strike them from the record. And Cantarius had always closed his eyes when he was concentrating. That was just who he was. It calmed him, helped him gather his nerves for the task ahead. And what was the task ahead? He wasn't sure of many things in his life, such as whether or not he was a good person or if his son was too far gone to travel back on the path to redemption. But he was sure of one thing. His purpose in life was to find a way to break this staff. To destroy it, utterly, and thus maybe do right by his son for the first time. Cantarius brought as much of his will to bear as he could while he meditated, drowning out the sounds of the busy worksite around him. The noise of men working, chatting, tools pounding and sawing and setting. He let them all disappear into the void, and then tried to focus his thoughts on figuring out a new way to destroy the item he held in his hands. He had tried breaking it with hammers, chopping it with axes, smashing it against stones, snapping it through pure might, and thousands of other methods. Nothing had worked. While the staff seemed to be simple wood, Cantarius had enough of a craftsman's eye to see that it was anything but. That and the fact that simple wood would have been destroyed a hundred times over by the methods he had tried. Was there something else? Something he hadn't thought through? A way to do what he had never been able to? Cantarius, for the briefest moment, thought he saw something. A figure. A person, though he couldn't tell much about them. It seemed almost like a premonition. A vision from beyond to finally give him the answer he needed. He reached for it with his mind, stretching himself out over what seemed to him a vast expanse. He almost had it. Almost knew. A man cleared his throat from beside him, and Cantarius blinked, startled. The vision faded as his sightless eyes revealed to him yet again that he could in fact see nothing at all, not in this world or the next. He sighed and put a hand to his temple, attempting to rub away a sudden headache. Cantarius, someone said from beside him. Excuse me, Mr. Tusky? It was Martius, one of the stewards from House Bray. The man had a meticulous, mechanical voice, almost as if he was a clock and the syllables he uttered could only be forced out on a ticking of the second hand. Cantarius had worked on a few clocks before, fascinating contraptions. Cantarius sighed again and got to his feet, leaning against the staff as if the weight of the entire world were on his shoulders. Most days, it felt like it was. What is it, Marius? he said in a quiet voice, not looking in the man's direction. Ah, yes, the man said, sniffing. I need you for something. You're not taking a break, are you? I don't think you have a break for several hours yet. Just clearing my head, Mardius. It's been a long day already. That it has, and still more to go yet if we want to finish the project in time. Mardius cleared his throat again. This way, Mr. Tusky, if you would. Cantarius nodded, though it always felt strange when he did that, since he was never sure anyone could see it. Martius apparently did, and walked off towards the other side of the worksite, scribbling on a piece of parchment. Cantarius followed. 
While Cantarius didn't see like others did, he could still navigate the world around him, sometimes better than his peers. He had heard members of the university refer to it as the Nine Disciplines, what he did. Channels through which energy could flow to create wondrous effects, such as the way his sense of hearing could now substitute for his sense of sight. He saw the world in vibrations and echoes now, each shape outlined by the sounds that bounced off of them and back to him. It was almost second nature for him now, to use the sensory discipline to view the world this way, but every once in a while he was reminded of something he had lost. It had been long enough since he had seen color, for example, that his memory of it was faded and broken, like an ancient statue's brilliance worn away by time. They made their way across the site that would soon be a new administration building for the dock district, stepping around frames of walls and their support braces, past workers and their overseers, till they could hear shouting. Two workers stood in a growing semicircle of onlookers, blustering and boasting in preparation for what Cantarius knew would end in a fight. Martius stopped several yards before the gathering and then turned to him. The other overseers are busy, and I need you to deal with this. They've been leading up to this all day, and your particular style of conflict resolution might be suited for putting an end to this. The man sniffed again and nodded curtly to him before leaving, still scribbling something down and muttering briefly. Cantarius thought about using the sensory discipline to hear what the man was saying to himself, but decided it wasn't worth his time. Marnius was an odd one already, on top of having been surrounded by nobility his entire life, and typically Cantarius couldn't make sense of any of the things the man said. Cantarius turned to the two blustering workers and tried to figure out who they were. One was new, and though Cantarius could recognize the voice and accent, he hadn't gotten the man's name yet. A Taconi immigrant worker from one of the outer islands, he thought. The other man was a hothead that Cantarius had had to deal with several times in the past. Temeth Cav. Passionate, reckless, foolish. The man was a drunkard, and had gotten very close to the edge of grounds for which Cantarius could dismiss him entirely. The young man knew how to dance on that line, however, and was always testing Cantarius's authority as a taskmaster and overseer of the project here, without ever overtly being insubordinate. If he remembered correctly, Temeth had been in the army at one point but had found his way here after some minor infraction had gotten him dismissed. I always get the dregs of the teacup, don't I? He thought to himself as he dropped his staff to the ground and rolled up his sleeves. Oh well. Time to, as Martius had put it, use his particular style of conflict resolution and put an end to this. Cantarius strolled forward, and the crowd parted for him almost instinctively. He began to catch the particulars of the conversation as he turned his hearing towards the two men. I have done nothing to you, the Tekoni man said in his thick accent, sounding as much confused as he was angry. Why do you treat me like this? Treat you like what, Oni? I ain't treating you any differently than I would treat any man. I asked you a simple question. Can you pitch in for drinks tonight or not? Cantarius frowned as he stepped up to the edge of the crowd. Oni was a slur, a bastardization of the Tekoni word for people that came out more like ogre or monster instead. He felt like he should step forward now and stop this before it went any farther, but something prevented him. A familiar feeling of unease. The unease that comes from not knowing what was right. In Taconi culture, it was often insulting to break up a confrontation like this one, since it would make the one being rescued look weak by comparison. He wasn't entirely sure if this was that sort of situation or not, and it had been a long time since his father had walked him through the ritual etiquette of his people. Cantarius gritted his teeth. He did not want to dishonor this man but this was also a situation that needed to be dealt with. His hesitation passed into seconds, and the Taconi immigrant responded to Temeth. 
I have already told you I do not desire to join you or your friends for drinks. Why will you not accept that answer? Temis sighed a dramatically forlorn sigh. See, that's just not how it works around here. You're new, so I get it. You don't understand the rules. But new blood always pays for drinks. That's how us Serrano do things here. I do not mean to insult your cultural traditions, but... Tempeth barked out a laugh. Cultural traditions? Why do you try to use words like those if you can barely pronounce anything in Garrick? Do you think you're better than us? First beer ain't good enough for you, and now normal speaking ain't either? I have no desire to disrespect... Disrespect, Temeth said. You've done far more than disrespect us, foreigner, by coming here. No one wants only like you roaming around our cities, stealing our work, forming gangs. That is quite enough, Cantarius growled softly from where he stood. Both Temeth and the Taconi man seemed to turn to him, though the discipline was far more indistinct with soft bodies than it was with hard lines and solid objects. You could step away now, both of you. Cantarius had seen this sort of behavior before, and it was never good. Teco and Saron had a long and sordid history and often years of peaceful trade did nothing to erase the bloody wars that interrupted them, or the hatred that they left behind. Temeth was going to provoke the other worker into making a move first, to justify whatever he wanted to do to the Tekoni man. And any of the city guard who saw the situation, as well as most of the overseers on the site, would by default side with Calf. Well, not Cantarius, and he wouldn't let it get that far anyway. He owed his father too much for that. Temeth grunted. Cantarius, nice of you to show up. Here to defend your kin. He is not, the Taconi worker began, but Tameth cut him off. Oh, he doesn't look it, but the man's got Taconi blood in him. His father was an ambassador, after all, before the demons got him. Ain't that right, Cantarius? Cantarius glared, though probably not quite in the direction he hoped. Cantarius hadn't spoken much with the workers in the past few months, but apparently some rumors hadn't died like he'd hoped. You're done here, Cav, Cantarius said his voice still soft but no less authoritative. Get back to work. Oh, I ain't done yet, sir, not by a long shot. I haven't made sure to warn my friend here about staying away from the women in Lucerta. Not that it ever stops you, Oni. Rape another man's wives comes naturally to you. I am a servant of the monk, tasked with peace. I will control my own emotions at all times, the Taconi man began to recite, though his voice seemed strained. Cantarius started out into the circle and straight towards Cav, seeing what was coming, but the man wasn't finished yet. Listen, friend, if you're not going to come along for drinks, at least send your wife. I hear that Taconi women, though they seem prudish on the outside, are much more wild once they put a few drinks back. I'm sure the men would love to give her a nice... Cantarius was too late. The Taconi man reached down to grab some discarded tool that Cantarius had failed to notice, and he was rushing for Temeth before either of them could react. He closed the distance before Cantarius could, and with one clean blow, the man brought what must have been a hammer into Calf's stomach, knocking the wind out of him and sending him tumbling backwards. The Taconi then followed with his left hand, snapping it towards Calf's chest. Cantarius heard ribs crack as Temeth crashed to the ground, groaning and spitting up what was probably blood. Cantarius grabbed the Taconi man, growling with anger, mostly at himself, and then slapped the hammer out of the man's hand before kicking him in the stomach and shoving to knock the worker to the same dirt that Temeth occupied. I said, Cantarius bellowed, that was enough. No one moved for a moment, and even the noise of the worksite seemed to quiet as everyone within a hundred yards was startled by Cantarius's booming voice. Then Temeth groaned again, and Cantarius turned to him. What were you thinking? Cantarius said, his tone hostile. What was I thinking? He attacked me. Because you provoked him, Temeth. 
Cantarius barked. You knew exactly what you were doing, and I want to know why. Temeth sputtered indignantly for a moment, and Cantarius heard the Taconi man groan softly and write himself into a sitting position. Are you all right? Cantarius asked. The man did not respond, except to begin to recite once more the mantra of the monk, one of the Taconi stewards. Cantarius heard footsteps approach, and he channeled the sensory discipline to determine who it was. Someone nearby the man whispered the name Martius, and after a moment of fine-tuning, Cantarius confirmed that it was indeed the house steward. He recognized the man's breathing. The steward was watching him, waiting to see how he was going to handle this escalation. Cantarius felt the pressure once more, the mix of guilt, shame, and hesitation he felt whenever he had to make a decision like this. A long time ago, back when things seemed right with the world, he had believed that he could determine good from evil easily, that things like this were obvious. But then his world had changed forever, and his naivete had become as clear to him as his choices had once been. Things were never easy, and decisions had consequences. Whatever he did here, it would either damn him or save him. Cantarius took a deep breath and looked at Temeth. You are dismissed, he said, projecting a confidence he did not feel. Leave. You have directly disobeyed an order from your superior, and you have forfeited your right to be here, along with your last week's pay. I don't want to see you again. Temeth said nothing, frozen, before he opened his mouth briefly, though no sound escaped. Then he stopped himself, swore under his breath, coughed, got to his feet, and left, groaning and clutching his broken rib. Cantarius turned to the fallen Taconi man, offering him a hand. The man didn't receive it for a long moment, and Cantarius began to think he was not facing the man directly enough before he finally took the hand, and Cantarius lifted him to his feet. The monk is not ashamed of you, Cantarius said, though he honestly didn't know if it was true. Another decision that could damn him. The man didn't respond, and eventually walked away as he began to recite the monk's mantra again. The crowd was still staring at him, and so Cantarius barked a simple command. Back to work! The gathered workers started, and then hurried to recover their tools and go back to their respective jobs. Cantarius felt Martius's gaze on him, and so he turned to the man, and tried to meet that gaze as best he could with sightless eyes. The house steward was silent, and soon walked away himself, leaving Cantarius alone among the skeleton of wooden timbers. He stood there, replaying the situation in his mind to decipher if he had made the right decision. He came up with no answer. He noticed his staff was still lying on the ground where he had left it, and so he stepped over and recovered the item, instinctively running his fingers along the length of wood. And he gripped it tightly, knuckles going white, suddenly terribly angry. He took up the staff and slammed it against one of the support braces in frustration. The staff, of course, didn't break, and the brace didn't budge either, sending a jolt up his arm as the shock of the blow sought somewhere to go. Cantarius let his arm drop and his grip loosen on the staff, and then, the last one to walk away, he went back to his work. That work, as always, did not give him any solace.